book about how to shoot steroids into your butt i think you could do that on uh rusev day every day is rusev day i'm so confused what you guys are talking about but i'm glad that you're saying it and welcome <laughs> to the down in front podcast the official podcast of downinfrontpodcast.com thanks so much for tuning in thanks so much for joining if this is your first episode we want to say thanks so much for hanging out which we usually do here on the down in front podcast is that we review movies tv shows video games all a bunch of stuff all while having usually our favorite alcoholic beverages or just hanging out with each other enjoying the time and tonight we are giving you a full review of Pet Cemetery, one of the newest films in theaters right now from the, uh, I believe it's co-directors, uh, Kevin Kloche and Dennis Widmer, um, starring Jason Clark and John Lithgow. I don't know if anybody else would know any other anybody else in this movie. Hey, the actress' name is Amy Simmons. I, she was in another movie I saw called Upstream Color, but very, very small indie movie interesting in any case uh before we get into our review all of our spoiler section we're going to have a bit of a round table to talk about what else we've been watching along with what we currently are drinking tonight <laughs> so as always i'm going to toss it over to my best friend uh my confidant we uh, always hang out and watch movies together pretty much he's the, the best thing that ever happened in my life uh bryland what's going on man what you sipping on tonight and what else have you been watching I hope I'm not the breast thing that ever happened in your life. <laughs> you picked up on that, I see. <laughs> uh, but instead of milk, I'm drinking Gatorade, uh, the fruit punch flavor. You, you don't um, have any more Stacy's moms? No more Stacy's moms. They're gone. Damn it. They yeah, end at six, saying? and it takes six weeks to drink six of them. <laughs> uh, but no, I've been recuperating from a bad illness over the weekend, but I am feeling better and everything. Um, but what I've been, what I watched while I was bedridden, I did my MCU rewatch. So basically watched every MCU movie, except for Captain Marvel again. I'll probably catch that sometime this week. And it, it's really cool to just revisit these movies, and it's kind of eye-opening just because uh, I was looking at my comprehensive list of how I would rate the Marvel films in terms of quality, and um, I found that not much changes at the top, but uh, once I get into that middle section and at the bottom, I did change a lot around, so I will have an updated list coming out very soon. I just have to watch Captain Marvel again because the jury's still out, I think, where it falls into the um, the comprehensive definitive list of it Marvel quali the quality of the Marvel movies. Uh, but other than that, uh, last weekend was WrestleMania weekend, so a lot of good wrestling going on. And WrestleMania was actually really good this year, so... The main uh, title match, which was the three-way between uh, Charlotte, Becky, and Ronda Rousey for all the women's titles, was actually lived up to the hype and everything. So it was really cool to see uh, them actually bring a really cool 
uh, performance to WrestleMania and cap it off really well. Uh, I thought the Triple H Batista one was better than uh, expected because I had I had never watched Batista wrestle before, and this is my first time wa- watching him. I was like, hey, he's he's pretty good for like the big strong dude that they always have. Uh, he actually did a really good job, and also really I I also really enjoyed uh, Kofi versus Daniel Bryan, which is probably like the best uh, match I thought that night because it just kept on going on and on and you could go either way at any second. So, uh, but appreciated that Kofi came out the champ. It was well-deserved and it's, I'm, I'm interested to see where they're going to take them as well. Nice. Yeah. I'm bummed that I uh, missed, uh, some of the talk from WrestleMania. I think the last time I watched a little bit of it, and it seems to be a pretty good time. So I'm glad, uh, you guys are still kind of catching up with that. So it's cool. Yeah. And I immediately canceled my WWE network. account. <laughs> Well, no, I don't say it like that. <laughs> no, but not because of WrestleMania, just because of budget. <laughs> fair, fair enough. Well, it's always great to have you on. Uh, it's great to see your face, and uh, I'm excited to get your take on Pet Cemetery. Um, did you read the book by any chance? I mean, if I did, it was a long time ago, and it just mixes in with a lot of books out there. So, fair, fair enough. Uh, I will toss it over to one of my good friends, uh, not as best friends as um, Brylan, but eh, I guess he's all right. He plays the guitar sometimes. Uh, the Shredder blew it. What's going on, man? What you been sipping on tonight, and what else have you been watching? I thought you were going to say Mocha. That no, ew. Talk to ew. The guitar playing through me. Uh, so yeah, like the ew was uh, unnecessary. <laughs> Very necessary. Are we talking about mumps again? Um, so today, uh, I am drinking, keeping it very topical, Strange Old Woods. Uh, it is a beer by Solemn Oath Brewery. Oh, Solemn Oath. That's an N. That's that shouldn't weird. be hard to read. No, no, it's in weird cursive. It, it looks like a Y. It's Solemn Oath Brewery. It's a New England Pale Ale, uh, IPA, uh, New England IPA. Uh, so I thought all sorts of applicable to this film um it's not that great though it's all right i hadn't tried it before i was drinking gin it's not that great um but we'll go with it uh as for what i've been watching um still doing the the mcu rewatch this morning i finished up thor 2 the dark world uh, which i think is maybe the most frustrating movie i've ever watched in my entire life um, just because the, the reason I say this is that there's scenes in there that are like really good. Like I think Frigga's funeral scene is maybe the most beautiful yeah. scene in the entire MCU, maybe except for Vormir in Endgame or in Infinity War. Um, maybe, but like definitely one or two. Uh, and there's also a couple other moments that the characterization is part of what made Thor Ragnarok so good. But they just don't stick with it at all. Um, like there's one scene where he's trying to go to the final battle and he gets stuck in the subway. And he's taking the subway instead of like, you know, swinging on Molnir. And so, you know, he's like, oh, how do I get there? And then the lady has this weird like, you know, the train moves and she kind of bumps into him and like gropes him a little bit. And it's honestly, it's pretty funny. It's like a, it's a funny little uh, thing. Uh, which when they bring it back and make the whole freaking movie like that, it's amazing. But yeah, it's such a waste. Well, Blue, it is great to have you on. Uh, it's great to see your face. So I'm excited to get your take on Pet Cemetery. Have you seen the original 1989 uh, movie? No, nor have I read the book. So I'm. F- 
Okay. Well, I know you can't read, so it's okay. Functionally useless. Well, yeah, you can do yeah. uh, books on tape. Can you? I, fa- I found out about those uh, a couple of years ago. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, I'll toss it over to, to one of my good friends, one of my best buds. Uh, we grew up together. Pretty sure that we just talk all the time, but sometimes he doesn't text me. Maybe he lost my number. I don't know. Maybe he doesn't like me as much as I thought he did. Who knows? Mocha, what's going on, man? Great to see your face. Great to have you. What you sipping on tonight? Uh, what else have you been watching? And great to have you back from France. Hey, yo, what's up, everybody? It's great to be back. Everything Warren said was right, and I'm happy to be here with you all. <laughs> um, yeah, as uh, as Warren just, just let everybody know, I did just get back in from a trip to France, which was pretty dope. Um, this time I got a chance to kind of scoot around a little bit, saw Paris, saw Lyon, both beautiful cities. Lyon was pretty breathtaking. Um, but I'm glad to be back here in my apartment for two days because I have to travel again to Boston tomorrow. So maybe I'll see some of you guys. Who knows? Mm. (laughs) Um, But regardless, I'm glad to be back. Glad to be back on the show. Uh, What I'm drinking tonight is a little bit of Buffalo Trace Kentucky straight bourbon whiskey. Uh, Eagle-eared listeners of the pod will realize that I've been drinking this same bottle of Buffalo Trace since mid-December 2018. And that's because I've been—I've barely been in my home since mid-December 2018. So this guy is still going strong. And because my life is in shambles, I'm not drinking it out of a glass tonight. I'm just drinking it straight from the bottle, as God intended. <laughs> um, <laughs> as, for, as for what I've been drinking or what I've been watching uh, on the tri- the flight back from from France, I have this thing where whenever I'm on a flight, I'll watch whatever Oscar-nominated movies I didn't bother to watch during the year before. And so for this flight, it was A Star is Born. So I finally got a chance to see that movie. I kind of get it now. I get why everybody was so, was so excited and into it. Um, I was thoroughly surprised by the deep, gravelly bass of Bradley Cooper's voice. It was not what I expected and kept me quite entertained the entire movie, despite the fact that I have a lot of issues with the movie as a whole. And as uh, my co-hosts here were woke to find out, I now have the song Shallow stuck in my head for the first time since I finally discovered it. So I've been belting it around as I walk around <laughs> the neighborhood lately. And uh, it feels good. It feels good to sing that song. It feels good to be, to be in on it. But, uh, but yeah, I'm glad to be back. Glad to see all of you. And I'm ready to talk about this, uh, this doozy of a movie. <laughs> Whose gravelly voice like did you appreciate more, uh, Bradley Cooper or Sean Elliott? Or Wait, Lady Gaga. Or Lady Gaga's. <laughs> did you say whose voice? Whose gravelly voice did you appreciate more? Oh man, Bradley Cooper's. That that voice was very unexpected, and it did some things <laughs> that I was not allowed to embrace in this very very crowded airplane. <laughs> did some things to me downstairs. Uh, Mocha, have you seen the original Pet Cemetery, or have you read the book? I did not read the book, um, but I did see the original Pet Cemetery when I was a kid, though. So I don't really remember any of the details or how I felt about the movie. All I remembered was the cat and the fact that things came back and that it was not a good thing that they came back. Yeah. Um, <laughs> which was pretty much my crib notes going into this, this film. Fair enough. I remember Fair the enough. cat and the Achilles tendon. That's it from the original one. Oof. <laughs> we'll definitely talk about that a little bit later. Well, Mocha, it's great to ha- have you on. Great to see your face. Same. Uh, oh, thanks. Oh, good stuff. Uh, I'm going to toss it over to one of my best friends, the host of The Fear Boners. I was very excited. Right after I left this movie, I immediately texted them and said, hey, are you going to be 
on uh, this show and to make sure that he was able to be here. The marvelous, the amazing Abbott, Andrew Abbott. How's it going, man? Good, good. Thank you for having me. I appreciate the inclusivity of this podcast. Of course, it's because I like you the most here. <laughs> just don't tell anybody else. Uh, okay, what else? Perfect. What? Uh, just me and you. Uh, what else have you been watching? What are you sipping on? Yeah, uh, just to preface this, a uh, friend of the pod, Sean, was up in town visiting for the last several days. So I'm actually doing a rehydration de-cleanse right now. So I'm literally just drinking water because we had we we went ham, had it rough. Uh, finished off an entire bottle of bacon-flavored bourbon, which, you know, is a thing that people do from time to time. So nursing that. Um, as far as what I'm watching, we did watch a bunch of really good, weird uh, horror stuff over the past weekend. Um, but I'm going to call out one that was probably the shittiest that I'd seen in a while. Uh, because it, it's unfortunate because it was super hyped to the point of overhyped. It was uh, uh, kickstarted, all this shit, because it had a bunch of horror icons in it. It was actually written by the late... Um, shit, I'm actually blanking on the dude's name. But he was the original uh, Leatherface from Texas Chainsaw Massacre. He Dr. wrote Hansen? the script. Yep he wrote the script and he starred in the film and it was a huge deal. It had like one of the guys who played Jason. It had a bunch of scream Queens in it. It had the candy man, had Danny Trejo. It had chop top. It had all these famous horror icons in the movie. And we were so excited to watch it. We watched the whole thing and it was absolute garbage. Oh, no. And this movie is called death house. And I would warn anybody from watching it. It's unfortunately one of the worst movies I've ever seen. The That's plot is terrible. Something. The acting is terrible. <laughs> It's really bad. And I've seen some shitty, shitty movies. This one is near the top of the list, unfortunately. Um, How can you go wrong with Tony Todd? He's he's probably the greatest part of the movie. And he's only in the beginning. He's only in the beginning three seconds and the last three seconds. And the part that he plays doesn't even make sense. It's not even anything contextually related. Like the plot doesn't make sense. I could go on about this shit, shit movie. But instead, I want to talk about the fact that I also recently watched without knowing it. Uh, a movie that was done by the directors of the new Pet Cemetery, um, one of their last films together called Starry Eyes, which is actually a really good horror movie, an independent little production they did that basically takes the story of um, the archetypical story of a, a girl from middle of nowhere decides to go out to Hollywood and become like a big famous movie star, but she struggles along the way, takes a bunch of shitty jobs to try to become this new starlet. And she'll do whatever it takes to get there. And it's super cringy and super awkward. And she has all these really terrible tics and habits and nervous, nervous things that she does when she can't really deal with rejection really well. So she like pulls out her hair and she grinds her teeth and she throws tantrums and all these horrible things just really raw in like single take shots. And then out of nowhere, this crazy like satanic twist gets thrown into it. And the last 15 minutes of the movie it takes it takes like a hereditary twist and i know some of you have seen hereditary so the last 15 20 minutes of the movie just goes off the rails buckets of blood freaking insane and i would definitely recommend it because starry eyes in my opinion is better than the new pet cemetery yeah, so check it out if you have a chance i know it's on shutter and a couple other streaming services it might be on netflix um, nice but yeah good stuff well, I'm definitely excited to get your opinion um, for Pet Cemetery. Have you? I know you don't know how to read that well, uh, but have you read the <laughs> book? And have you seen? I know you definitely have seen the original movie. I've seen the original movie, but it's funny when I rewatched it recently to get ready for this one. I realized that most of my memories were were from Pet Cemetery Two. So I thought uh, Pet Cemetery Two was Pet Cemetery One. I really love the original Pet Cemetery. 
Um, I haven't read the book. I've looked at it really hard, but have not been able to retain any of the actual words in their correct order. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. yeah, you should also get that checked out, but you know that's on you. Right. <laughs> <laughs> well, Ab, it's great to have you on, and it's great to see your face again for you to give us all the knowledge about horror movies. I was Thanks. just looking at pictures of the original Pet Cemetery, and that cat's a big chonker, and I think I appreciate that. <laughs> I, yeah, I like I like the design of the original cat more than this new one, but again, that's something that we'll get into it a little bit more. In, I, in the original movie, the cat died of diabetes. <laughs> <laughs> he's not that fat, is he? I don't remember him no, being that fat. He, he's, a, he's one of those English cats that's just poofy or round-faced. <laughs> round-faced, uh-huh. yeah. <laughs> Nothing wrong with that. My name is Warren. I will be your host this evening. I am currently sipping on some vodka and sweet tea. Got to keep it simple. Uh, I watched uh, a movie. We actually hit, uh, watched a bunch of these movies all back to back. So I finally got a chance to watch Ingrid Goes West. Have you guys seen this movie? Oh, how was uh, that? I've been meaning no. to watch it. I saw the oh. trailer and I was really interested just because I think uh, uh, What's Her Face is awesome. Yeah, I mean, I I think we both really, really enjoyed, me and Emma, I think we both really enjoyed this movie a lot. Um, uh, yeah, I, I couldn't think, I couldn't remember her name either. Black, uh, not Black Widow. What's the other woman in there? Black Panther. Scarlet, Scarlet Witch. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> Black, Black Panther and Scarlet Witch are in this movie. Um, so it stars uh, Albi Praza with Elizabeth Olsen um, and O'Shea Jackson Jr., And it just goes off of, uh, without spoiling too much of the movie, of this girl who seemingly have something a bit deeper, uh, kind of emotionally with her. She gets a a large lump sum of money and ends up kind of stalking a couple people. Uh, And so she ends up stalking one of her idols and meets her. And you figure out what all happens from when they finally meet and kind of clash and they find out um, more of her background. So um, the movie's on Hulu right now. I definitely will recommend it is very entertaining it's very funny but it also has a pretty a pretty solid i think a message um and i just haven't seen a movie like shot like that is it just felt a, a bit different how they were actually kind of portraying it uh and also just kind of showing how uh, you know the people in la and how they should be portrayed I guess. I don't know. Um, so I really enjoyed it. That's what I've been watching. Um, I'm also going through the Marvel Cinematic Universe rewatch uh, along with Brylin, uh, I guess everybody here except Abbott. Um, and I am about to finish Black Panther. Or well, if I'm using it with another Panther, like the Pink Panther, maybe? <laughs> no, what was the movie that I should watch after Black Panther? Uh, Infinity Amen. War. Yeah, Infinity no, War. No, it was uh, no, Doctor, it's Doctor War. Strange. Doctor Strange. Right. What? I got it mixed up. Yeah, You're no, doing no. an interesting order. Whatever. <laughs> uh, I'm currently watching Doctor order. Strange. Um, so, uh, but I have been kind of going through. So after that, I have to do Thor Ragnarok, and then it's uh, Infinity War. Yeah. And with that, I'm going to raise my glass to our favorite section where we're dedicating some sips and some shout-outs to all of our people, all of our supporters, and maybe some people that we just do some light stalking every other Wednesday. So who knows? Uh, so I will raise my glass, and I will give the first shout-out to Jason Clark in this movie because, one, I'm really excited not seeing you as a villain, question mark. Uh, and two, I really love his faces that he makes. Uh, I know me and Brylin get into this joke a lot of every time we see certain characters in that pop up in the movie, they have to be the villain. Pedro Pascal is definitely one of them too. Like, oh fuck, you know he's gonna be the villain. And so I was really bummed yet excited that he kind of wasn't sort of the villain. He actually was a protagonist and 
he had some endearing stuff in him. So definitely kind of kudos to you, um, Jason Clark, because I really enjoyed you in this film. So thanks to you, my friend. How about you, Blewett? Yeah, I got to say the NATO alphabet. Send a sip to that. It's <laughs> like, where else do you come up with things like like whiskey, India, whiskey, tango, fox, Lima, Sierra, Oscar, November. You're, like, this is crazy. You're, you're, re- you're reading it. Aren't it's you? so nuts. <laughs> you're reading off of it right now. Obviously, uh, it's going to blow your mind about five minutes when you figure out what I spelled. <laughs> I know. I'm sure it will. Uh, <laughs> Brylan, who are you dedicating your sip to? Uh, I'm going to send my sip out to J.J. Abrams. Uh, this weekend, Star Wars Celebration is going on, so the impending release of the first Star Wars Episode Nine trailer, which should be on Friday, is happening. So yes. I, it, It's going to be everything. impressive to see if my nerd boner can hang out with all this excitement happening right now within game and now this. Uh, so, JJ, don't let us down. Star Wars for life. You probably will. Nerd boner, nerd boner is going to hang out. That was some great wording that you say there. <laughs> uh, Mocha, what you got as your send a sip today? Yeah, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to send a sip to the city of Lyon in France. Um, you know, I've, uh, it was freaking beautiful. That city is just gorgeous. It is, Paris is nice. Paris is really nice. But as far as I'm concerned, Paris is just New York City with funny accents. <laughs> but like Leon was just straight up dope, gorgeous city, cool people. Everyone was awesome except for I went into a bookstore and the lady there tried to tell me that I w- that I couldn't read the books, I had to buy one or get out. And I tried really hard to explain to her that I'm that I'm illiterate in that country, but uh, she wasn't having it. So anyway, aside from her, I've sent a sit up a sip out to Leon. <laughs> I was going to make a joke that you're trying to tell her that you can't read. (laughs) (laughs) One of my coworkers is actually from Leon, so you might have actually cursed out his mom or something. I hope so. Uh, Okay. Uh, Abbott, who are you dedicating your sip to tonight? Uh, My sip is a nice saucer of milk for uh, Church the Cat, who is actually four or five cats in this film, but he really stole the show. I think he did the best acting gig throughout the throughout the movie because he's such a sweet kitty in the beginning of the movie, and then by the end, oh my, oh my lord, he is a uh, he is a changed kitty. It's funny because they must very cat. impressive. They must have had Old like a pro- Winston Churchill, a professional like cattail puller to get the the cat angry for those scenes, right? Because you can't direct a cat; you just gotta like. Well, if you saw the credits, there were. I think it was four or five different four cats. Five, so there were probably yeah. like two really well-tempered nice cats and then two that were just absolute bastards. <laughs> well, half of them died. Which one was hungry at the time? Awesome. Half of them died during the production. So, whoops. Uh, that's a lie. But they buried them. They came no, back. It's actually not. Oh, jeez. That's... Geez. <laughs> Is that dark for you? And with that, we are going to take our break. So we are getting to our spoiler section. So if you've not seen the original, if you've not read the book... Uh, if you have not seen the new 2019 version, we're not going to be talking about the 1992, I believe, is Pet Cemetery 2. So we're not going to be covering that because that's not canning for ours. We want to say to hit pause, uh, go check out the movie out. I think for right now, there's not too many other movies in theaters currently um, that's going to be as good, I think. Uh, but we'll see. Uh, and so we'll take a break and we'll see you soon for a full spoiler edition of Pet Cemetery. Was that a fart? Did someone just fart? I spelled Wilson in the NATO alphabet. (laughs) (laughs) 
and we are back, and we are the Down in Front Podcast. We have our very special guest, Andrew Abbott, the host of the Fear Boners, and this is our spoiler section for Pet Cemetery in 2019. So if you've not seen this movie, we want to let you know that anything after this we will be spoiling, so keep an eye out. What we usually like to do is that we break it up into a couple of different sections. So tonight we'll talk about the acting and then the characters, and then later on we're going to also talk about comparisons and the little bit differences, because there are a lot of differences from the original movie and more so the story the original book came out in 83 and the movie came out in 89 and so we will be talking about that things so i'm going to toss it over to brylan to start us off to tell us about the acting and characters yeah so with this movie um and after watching it i want to sum up like my opinions of the acting and the characters based on this that they are all standard horror trope characters, especially for T- Stephen King movies. There's no definite deep thoughts or deep taken aways of where these characters go. It's pretty obvious, but that's not necessarily a bad thing if it's done really well. And I think with Jason Clark, uh, he actually does a really good job uh, being that standard Stephen King like male protagonist that you would see in a lot of his stories that um, he's this like kind of nerdy-ish but also kind of doting on his family but also at the same time also has something that he's obsessed with that makes him a flawed character that um, that leads him down to a dark path and I think uh, Jason Clark does this really well I I was actually joking in our chat the other day that uh, I think he has amnesia face. And what I mean by that is that whenever I see him in a movie, I'm like, oh, who is that? And I like have to look him up every time. And every single time, it's Jason Clark. He's just that actor that does it for me. But I think like some of that blankness helps with this movie because it helps it easier to connect, easier to follow this character around. Um, and I find that the cool thing about it is that how he handles situations is really well done. Uh, that um, when he is a doctor, he's very professional. When he's at home, he is a loving dad and faithful husband and everything. And But, I mean, nothing is unexpected from him. But one thing I wish he did was I wish he washed that damn cat when it came back to life because it was just terrible seeing it. Just yeah. all... Sticky and nappy and covered. All the, the when 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 they go to try to brush the, oh, the, the cat, and I was just like, "Oh, why? Just, water, just water put it, it in water. What? Soap why? it up. Dunk it in some hot water. <laughs> oh, jeez. Uh, yeah, I, I, but I can't agree with you more, Ryland. I, I know we talked about in the most recent movie I saw Jason Clark in, which he had a pretty solid performance. Was First Man. Uh, he had it was definitely kind of a side character. No, so it's nice. Serenity. No. Uh, <laughs> you shut your mouth. I didn't see that movie. Uh, so the 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 best the the better movie that I recently saw him in was First Man. Uh, good call. I completely forgot about that movie for obvious reasons. Serenity is trash. Um, but uh, he had like a side character. This one he was a really kind of predominant character. A lot. Uh, I like the fact that they at least focus a, a little bit less on him. 
um, than I thought they were. I thought this movie was definitely going to just be about him, but they actually kind of focused and kind of expanded it and kind of um, talked about the family a bit more, which also gave me uh, or allowed me to kind of um, like his character more and also his beliefs of being a science man and his thoughts on religion and talking about that with his nine-year-old or eight-and-a-half and a, a nine-year-old daughter and the difference between that and um, – the mother Rachel and like we're just basically kind of introduced to a lot of these things that at least allows me to at least care a little bit more about this family although already knowing that it's going to be every horror trope I can think of it still made it at least did it better uh, from the other horror movies that we've previously reviewed and going into this movie I was really nervous that I was going to hate this movie and I did so he was definitely one of the reasons why um, I enjoyed it yeah, yeah, absolutely. I think to speak on that, I think they did a good job balancing horror tropes versus like getting artsy with it. This film definitely could have gotten really artsy when it came to bringing something back from the dead. And I think they touched on it a little bit on how like uh, Jason Clark's character wasn't done with his daughter. Right. Like he wanted more time with her. He want, and, and that makes sense. It speaks to everyone on a human level and they didn't dwell on that which was perfect because if they did i probably would have hated this because i don't think this movie is smart enough to actually dive into that in any sort of meet sort of meaningful way but they didn't so it worked what was that movie not serenity what was the other terrible film we watched recently <laughs> the keanu one <laughs> yeah 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 what was the keanu one Replica. Uh, replicants. Yeah, it was the same thing with that, where it's just like, like that movie tried to be smart and was terrible. And <laughs> Pet Cemetery, ironically enough, one of its best facets was that it wasn't particularly intelligent and it wasn't particularly philosophical. It just stuck it stuck to the tropes and just went with them. Uh, sadly enough, just as a quick shout out, I feel like we're going to shit on a lot of bad movie reviews that we've done this year. Uh, so I'm just going to let, let the entire, the rest of the audience know that I apologize, but I'm sorry, not sorry, because what do you mean apologize. This, uh, they're sorry, terrible not films. Sorry. They're terrible yeah, films. I know, but it's one of the things that which like at that time we were like, I don't understand why they can't do it. New movies. Why are you fucking up? And this movie comes out <laughs> and they did it you know i'm not saying this movie is perfect by any means but at least takes those horror tropes and kind of rolls with it and kind of knows at least what movie it's trying to be and not trying to be something more and right. trying to wow us serenity replicas what the fuck are you doing trying to wow us with this whole <laughs> new original idea right we already yeah, know but- what this is going to be this changes you know there's a whole there's a whole conversation we'll have later about the differences and um, originally um, from the original. And so I at least like the fact that they give us a lot of this stereotypical stuff that I can have like some serious eye rolls, but it didn't, it didn't make it seem as cheesy or, or bad. Yeah. It's like Taco Warren. Bell. I mean, you know, what's coming, you know, what, what's going to happen, but you get it anyway, because you appreciate the value of it. I just you know, probably I, always I, go I, into a movie expecting to shit and then be pleasantly surprised when it's not shitty. Cool. <laughs> Uh, I First just declined all, Taco Bell last night. I was really sad. Yeah, Mocha? All you need to do is eat an entire pop- tub of popcorn to yourself, then you don't have to worry about shit for a few days. <laughs> Secondly, I hear what you're saying, Warren, about like enjoying, appreciating a movie that 
uh, that knows what it is and doesn't try to be more. But I feel like that is inexcusable when it's a remake of a movie because so- something came before it that, that, and we all know what that is. So it needs to be for sure. More. <laughs> but and I think we'll talk about this later. There was a point in which the directors of this movie actually went to Stephen King and said, "This is our vision." So they they rewrote what they were originally doing. Stephen King knew was like, "Yeah, I'll give the go ahead, and that's okay." So he already knew they were changing the story. And so Stephen although, King gives the go ahead to everything. You saw yeah, Dark Stephen Tower. King agrees to every he doesn't <laughs> but, care at oh, all for, about his adaptations. For, for sure. For and so that's why I don't know I, I don't know if I can call it I, I guess if I said remake, I, I guess it's just another adaptation. Um, right? Well, we talked about Dumbo <laughs> just last week, and we talked about Ready Player One also. I guess it's a different retelling, it's a different adaptation, and Dark that's Tower. something I like instead of trying to do yeah, Dark Tower. We talked about that years ago. Let's not <laughs> let's not let's not sh- let's not sh- oh, on that movie. I want to see Dumbo yeah, after yeah. he's buried in the pet uh, cemetery. Honestly, <laughs> <laughs> just Vis- flying around. He'd probably be people. visually better looking. Yeah, that movie was trash. Yeah, but total just, waste of Idris But Elba. honestly, t- uh, teaser oh, which one? for my conclusion. Dark, Dark Tower? <laughs> Idris Elba was Dumbo's voice? What? Idris, <laughs> Idris Elba played uh, Colin. Uh, Colin. No, Idris Elba was Danny DeVito. Oh, okay. Oh. Jesus. Uh, I actually thought what, that Idris, you say? I, Oh, I was going to say that um, teaser alert uh, for the, my conclusion, but I go into that. Definitely. <laughs> Me too. I wrote that down. I think you just copied. Great teaser. <laughs> We're teasing it. <laughs> Brylin, what else you got for acting and characters? Uh, I would say the actor that really stood out for me was Amy Simmons as Rachel. Um, I thought she was fantastic as the wife. Um, definitely still very tropey Stephen Kingish character. Um, but I love what they did with her sister and her like nightmare vision of her sister in the accident that it feels like its own horror story happening within this horror story. And I think that she sold that really well, that she is terrified at a lot of things in life and you can definitely be understanding of it because of how serious the trauma of her sister dying has actually impacted her life. And it's really good to see that it carries over when she's very protective of her kids except when they get close to the street and um <laughs> man <laughs> that and, truck going 90 miles per hour whew, come on that truck i mean that's one of my favorite characters too was that truck <laughs> <laughs> is it the, the truck, truck from maximum the little, overdrive the, the truck carrying oh my god cargo yes. of literal foreshadowing <laughs> but um but yeah i i thought she did really well with um with what she had to work with. And um, I thought it was uh, really neat how she, they, especially how they approached what her, the trauma but that she had with her sister and just those flashbacks uh, definitely worked really well for her character for me. Honestly, so when I was watching that, I thought that that could have made a really great short film, like a half hour to 45 minutes of her just alone with her sister um, th- that would have been terrifying, you know, like when her, she's like preparing the meal, she's all, all you hear is like auditory cues, you know, Oh, that dragging and stuff. Oh my God. Yep. So, so I thought that that was a really cool self-contained storyline that it almost felt out of place. Cause I just, it distracted me from the main story. Like I, I just wanted yeah. to know more about that, that particular incident 
than what was happening out in the woods. That's one of my biggest issues with this movie was that there were a bunch of individual things that were pretty cool, but like a lot of it didn't make sense to the overall story. Like there seemed to be a haunted house element that really had nothing to do with anything except for providing opportunities for jump scares. Uh, And each of those elements on their own were all cool, but should have been their own focuses, not just like thrown in to have more opportunities to like scare the, you know, jumpy people in the audience. And the thing that I'm kind of bummed about um, and all of this is I felt like they. I felt like they chose to have that in that movie because that was in the original and they didn't need it. Uh, They if they already changing things in this movie change it so that you take some of that stuff out because you're integrate you're putting in so many other things almost as if that he's creating this whole universe right he's already done this years ago we don't need you to try to redo that again right just make it simple like make it smaller i i like what they were kind of going with it but it also didn't make any sense overall throughout the story and it was was a short movie you know like it was one of those things that like hey maybe you i don't recommend this because to me, it, it felt like it paced out well, but like adding 20 minutes, you're still at two hours. You know, it's not an especially long movie at two hours, um, but you have 20 minutes more that you can play with Rachel's backstory. You know, you can play with like extra time with out in the pet cemetery, you know, um, again, I, th- I think it was paced very well, but it was very short. And so, yeah. like those those little snippets that we got should have been developed into into their own thing, rather than just mm-hmm. like you know allusions to. Yeah, I and I hear you. It it, it just didn't make uh, a lot Man. more. It didn't make a lot of sense. What we were talking about, it just didn't make a lot of sense. And when I talk and I look back and I watch the original movie, it also didn't make sense. So I was like, uh, what? Uh, then why would you make that choice? I I, I agree with you on there. Uh, but going back to kind of Brylin's point, um, I really wish that we actually got a little bit more um, from Rachel's character. I felt like we got a little bit, but sadly, a lot of the stuff that I liked was she was already being stabbed and dying. Um, so I was like, well, that sucks. <laughs> like I liked, I actually enjoyed at least what her character was being moved away from the city of Boston to some more outskirts, kind of random place in Maine, right? And have yeah. to, like there was there was some reason for that, and there's something like there's some weight that she has to be kind of living with. It could have literally just been left that she's living with some weight and it could have been sort of mysterious. Uh, but a, a lot of the time that she kind of was kind of pushed to the side, which is a bummer. She still was heavily featured in this film a lot more than the original. So I'm glad about that, but I feel like at least they could have made her a bit more into a real person because they did, you know, and they kind of followed one, more of uh, just Jason Clark's character. One of my biggest issues with this movie overall was the fact that despite having only like five characters, main characters total, there was a surprisingly small amount of character development. And I like the, the mom's character, I think was one of the biggest examples of where this was, was a miss because we did get the development that, okay, she has issues with death. Um, she is overprotective of her children and she has this traumatic uh, experience from when she was young. And also the notion that it, between the two of them, she's the one who believes in an afterlife. So the fact that we didn't get a chance to explore whatsoever what her reaction, thought process, and dialogue was when she saw her daughter return from the dead, and it just we instead we just got her chased and then immediately killed. 
is a huge missed opportunity. They built up this notion that she was the one who was championing the afterlife as a positive. Why didn't we get to see that resolve at all before she got stabbed? Uh, just yeah. a, a big missed opportunity. Yeah. Yeah, I'm, I'm curious, Mocha. I'm going to actually uh, circle back to that a little bit later on uh, because I'd like to explore that idea a little bit later. Mm-hmm. Brylan? But- uh, yeah. Um, other actor I thought was really good was, um, I hope I'm pronouncing this right, uh, Jete Lawrence uh, was as Ellie. She was a really good kid actor. Um, I thought her change from precociousness to demonic went really well so i found that she sold out she did a great enough job to make me convinced that yeah this is a good little kid that now just wants to murder and maim and kill so great job by her and um other thing i've mentioned is john lothgal uh basically did john lothgal <laughs> throughout this whole movie uh, have you seen one john lothgal character you've seen them all <laughs> And that's how I felt about his character in this. I think the big miss with his character is um, he needed someone to play off with. I think it would be smart if they actually started with Nora being alive and not already dead in the movie. Mm. Yeah, I, I, I was kind of bummed slash kind of laughing because John Lithgow was recently in a show that he played Winston Churchill. Right. Oh so, yeah, it was fantastic. Yeah, there was a Winston Churchill cat. I was like, ha, 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 in this movie. <laughs> That's all that. Uh, knows who that is. Yeah, but uh, yeah, it it didn't seem like he added anything. It just felt like he was just there, just there. He was um, exposition guy. Yeah, and it's kind of a bring bummer. things back to life. It's bad. It's scary. Um, you have the warnings from the old wise man. Let's do it anyway. Yeah, I know. It, it's uh, like any Stephen you know, King movie from. Uh, well, that's what's a, that's what's a bummer about it too. Is that Fred Gwynn in the original movie from '89 is like the archetypal like, oh no, I ought not to go down that road. Like he's that guy who just <laughs> he has like the thick main accent. He's the guy that they make fun of on South Park. He just sits by his farm and he's Pepper like, Charles, oh no, <laughs> you don't want to go over there. That's bad bad news if you go over that well, that way. You don't want to go down that road. And like he just that's what he sounds like in the original movie. And he's totally like wacky and creepy and weird. And like John Lithgow is kind of like friendly Uncle Grandpa. Like, but I, I like I, I at least uh, enjoy what they were trying to do with John Lithgow and uh, like having some, a friendship and kind of relationship between him and Ellie. Because when Ellie comes back to kill him, it means it a little bit more impactful. But the reasonings behind why John, uh, John Lithgow's character, Judd, I know I was like, calling him john i know why judd was doing this his motivations to do it just didn't make any sense in this movie like you already know bro you already know bad shit's gonna happen there's no point in you telling them to do this bad shit you know some shit's gonna go down and you're probably gonna end up dead so why would you continue to do that um so it was kind of it's kind of a bit of a bummer i I like that at least like the explanation a lot more in the in the book in the movie, in the original movie, than what we got here. Yeah, I think in the book, it's just kind of like uh, there was, he did have that bad story and things went south and stuff, which was more than just a dog coming back. Yeah, well, in the book, he, the, you know, Jason Clark's character, I can't remember his name, Lewis, uh, Lewis saves his life, his wife's life from like having a heart attack. And so he saves her life and to try to kind of pay him back. That's when Churchill cat actually died right after. So he's like, oh shit, like, well, I at least want to repay you for something. So I'm going to tell you to bury your cat in this graveyard, but be careful. So 
Well, well what were they hinting more, at? That, that makes a lot more sense than like, oh, she seems nice and I don't want to disappoint her. You know, it's, yeah. it's almost like yeah, a life for life yeah. type thing. Yeah. When I was a kid, my dog came back and it was so violent. My dad had to shoot in the face. But I just want your daughter to be happy. So. Yeah. Right? <laughs> <laughs> well, and also compared to, to the the book, wasn't it? There was a person who came back, right? And they Correct. like murdered half the town. Teddy's something. I can't remember his yeah, name. Yeah, I forget yeah. it too. The but. Vietnam vet that they hint at in the internet scene. Yeah. Yeah. And um, then, but like, what what about the part where so Ellie's about to 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 gank john lithgow and she turns into his ex or his dead wife and he says like you know what you did something terrible to me and like it implies that he did something to his wife but that's never resolved like it's just no. kind of hanging there like what well, is that's, she that's not even hinted yeah. at beforehand yeah yeah she was still alive in the original story of the movie so. and she died i don't know but it was well, kind of and weird. also that's speaking of like a missed opportunity like that's kind of cool that the implied demonic structure of persons being brought back to life where they can kind of switch into different people to talk about, you know, their quote unquote sins like mm-hmm. they ne- they didn't do that. That would have been sick if uh, when Rachel got murked, you know, her sister's face came out. Instead, yeah. it was just, you know, yeah. mommy, like, it yeah, would have been but, cool if the, the individual, like, demons, quote unquote, were present in the murder scenes. Yeah, but there's no real I feel rule like, set for what yeah, they can do or what's, like, exactly. going on. Yeah. There's too, many, goes there's like too many supernatural uh, that you're introducing in this movie. Like, you have to choose or, like, f- like control yourself to only a couple of different supernaturals we got the undead we got the hearing of the voices we have so many things that they were trying to like check a bunch of boxes off like those tropes that we were talking about like bro you don't need to check all the boxes just check some of them and we'll be okay with being able to have our imagination fill in the rest well i couldn't remember was the wendigo in the 89 movie or mentioned in the 89 movie so caroline uh she said that the Wendigo was a huge part of at least the books. I don't think she's seen the movie, but it was like, yeah, huge, it would make sense that it's in the book. Stephen King book. would totally be all over that in the books, but I don't think it had anything to do with the original movie. But I, what's I feel a, what's like what's a Wendigo? It's like a Native Evil American. Native Americans. Oh, yeah. Uh, so this was hinted at in. Oh, fuck. I can't remember which movie now. Yeah, it was hinted at in both movies, though, this, or at least. There was, was a movie the called one? The Ritual. Yeah, that's really mm-hmm. yeah, that's a that good was Wendigo. a Wendigo. That, that was a Wendigo. That was, was a better Wendigo. Where th- was this mo- Was this in the original movie or the new movie that they brought this up? This was a thing. It was in, in the one new the movie. Bo- okay, the thing okay. growling in the woods that you never see that doesn't really have any like. There's there's no reason it's there. It's just like oh, here's a Native American like myth that we can toss in the mix. Got it. Like it didn't. It didn't really bring anything together for me. At Although least. Uh, apparently it was a big thing in the books. So like, it was. It didn't make any sense in the movie, but it made a lot. They only wrote it in the movie because it was something from the books. Yeah. And, I mean, I I I don't mind them doing some of this stuff because we know that Massachusetts is creepy as hell. I mean, pff, fucking tons of white people, right? So I understand that. But true. at the it's same time, to- <laughs> it's true. It's, it's true. A lot of white uh, people. But at the same time, not. Don't you don't have to do everything. We know that there's like witches, supernatural. We under I know and I understand that it felt like 
Stephen King at this time was building this weird, crazy fucking universe with all these horror creatures and things that was happening in New England, Massachusetts area. Um, but when it after after a point, you can't you, you can't keep doing that, right? You have to kind of change it up or kind of make it a bit more poignant, uh, pointed yeah. to only this, certain things. This movie had an hour and forty minutes to tell its story, and it spent a solid like ten to fifteen of it. Uh, like talking about the Wendigo, glancing the Wendigo from a distance, and like showing un- like interesting camera angles of feet moving through surprisingly clear swamp water. Uh, <laughs> I feel like there was a lot of stuff that they didn't need to put in this movie at all, and they could have they could have just like used that time to focus more on the the five characters for sure. So I'll move on to uh, Abbott. Uh, Abbott, talk to me a little bit more about um, the actors and characters. What you got? Yeah, for me, I think, um, you know, the, the two main characters that were sort of settled on in the beginning is the, the mom and the dad. I think for me, their their acting was very standard for horror movies nowadays. I feel like if you swap them out with Ed and Lorraine Warren from The Conjuring films, I wouldn't be able to tell the difference. It's the same sort of arc. It's the same kind of acting. It's the same tone. And um, I'm kind of getting sick of it, honestly. Uh, I think, again, the guy who was the creepy neighbor in the original was way better than John Lithgow. I think the cat really stood out for me. I love animal actors better than I love children <laughs> actors. Although the girl in this movie, the little girl did do a great job of switching between like being the cute, adorable little ballerina daughter and like the creepy undead daughter towards the end. Um, <laughs> but I one thing that, that really, really Dancing stood out just for fucking me. fucking shit up. Great. Yeah, yeah. She's like, why did you put the dress back on? She's like, well, fucking zombie ballerina. What do you want me to do? Um, but what really stood out for me was the ghost. The ghost, like, is more of a character in the original movie and he actually kind of has an effect and he, he's seen by everyone, like not just kind of glimpsed by the baby and not just, you know, affecting the dad. Like there's a lot of overlap in the ghost scenes initially, like how they're portrayed in the original and how they're portrayed in this very similar. But then the further we get into the movie, the more he just kind of fades into the distance and he's just a voice. And it sucks because a lot of the the makeup that they do for that character is great. Like, especially the part yeah. where, the, like, his brain is I out. I can see his brain. his brain. I mean, yeah. damn, like, what type of car accident was that? I mean, well, they say oh, he, he got, got dragged. dragged. He oh, got he, hit got by dragged? The, he got hit yeah. by the truck. He got dragged. He got hit by the truck. Oh, he got hit by one of the trucks. Okay. Um, I, I don't I, think he I actually, I don't think that was confirmed. Confer- I think, no. Well, well, he got hit on campus. I don't think that truck's Because they said it was like a car accident on campus. I was like. All right, what car accident? Where <laughs> that, like that truck is going 120 miles an hour literally everywhere in this town. <laughs> yeah. and, every Ellie, and Ellie like, gets hit by a tanker truck, and it's like a little trickle of blood on the ladder. Yeah, yeah. It must have been really? like the so, typical we, we, college, like someone's 99 Saturn. Mile an hour. Well, everyone knows <laughs> that little girls are filled with significantly less blood than 20-year-old men. <laughs> Not going to touch that That's one. It. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> it was so quick. Let's, let's just acknowledge really quick that there was one black dude in this movie and they literally brought him in just to die immediately. The first one to <laughs> the die. One, the, the first one black to die. Dude, they bring him in just to die. There was also a Latina nurse, which is another nice little stereotype niche they filled out. So of the two people of color, one was a black dude and they brought him in to die. Ridiculous. <laughs> yeah, that, I mean, so the, the ghost that you're talking about, Abbott, was uh, Victor Pascal. Yep. Um, and was he I the guy felt- from Captain, Captain Phillips? No, I oh, thought that too. On. I was waiting for him to come up and be like, I am come the most on. mad. Hold on. No, come I'm on, serious. Now. I'm serious. There were a couple of scenes I where I thought him. it was him. No. I'm not. He looks kind of like him. I'm going to keep no, 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 he doesn't. No, I'm no, going to keep doesn't. going. 
I'm going to keep going and say that, uh, Abbott, you, your point is the ghost showed up almost all of the time in the original movie. And it got to the point where he was actually kind of cracking a couple jokes. And I'm like, what the fuck kind of movie am I in right now? Because like, it's an what? 80s horror movie. That's oh my standard. God. It's like, yeah. have you ever seen American Werewolf in London? Yeah. 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 It's like that. It's like, it's yeah. like. Like that movie was so perfect, the original, because it had the entire eighties and all the great horror that came out in the eighties to like steal from. Where this movie like tries to be that movie and then like you said, they tried to do their own thing and it's just like you can sort of see that. Like the ghost is the perfect metaphor because he's there, he's there, he's there. And then there's that one scene where he does kind of disappear and then he's just a voice and it's like, Why did you do this? He's not he only says like five things and none of them are helpful at all. It, again, th- it, this made a lot more sense in the in the movie when you know the ghost, like the ghost, literally comes back to try to help Lewis and said, "Hey, I was injured. You helped me out, and it didn't work. So I'm coming back to at least tell you not to go because the ground is sour." It made a lot more sense in yeah. this movie. They kind of try to do that, but we don't understand exactly why the ghost is seemingly just haunting. Yeah. Uh, Lewis character, but then Lewis is the only person, right? Am I um, am I incorrect here? That the, Lewis the kid, is the, only the baby person? kid sees it. Oh, Gage. Okay, yeah. so Gage can see the kid, uh, can, can see Victor, and Lewis can see Victor, but that was like it, and it it didn't also make a lot of sense because we look at a, a bit of a comparison. Every, uh, not everybody, but at least the. Rachel's character saw the ghost probably the most by far in the original movie. And what Mocha's point was kind of made a lot more sense. She was the only person at that time, at least that we know she believed in, you know, a a bit more of like afterlife, right? At least we, we know Lewis knows, well, you just die and that's it from his scientific blah, blah, blah. She was the only person that at least believed in the afterlife. So it makes a bit more sense why she's a little bit more susceptible to kind of communicating with that. And I can understand it fully why in the original film, that's why the ghost kind of following her because she has more of an affinity to it. I, I don't, I just don't get why she's, they just kind of removed it in this particular kind of movie to the point where the ghost doesn't even talk to Rachel at all. So I just thought that was a little weird. Well, that's like, that's actually a good point. The way that you said that, I think that what would have been an even more interesting dynamic if they wanted to change it up a bit further to make it their own is I think that if they had swapped the, not necessarily the entire roles, but if uh, Rachel had been the one to be involved in the whole, like Rachel had be- had befriended uh, Judd, and then she had been the one to discover the the mound, and then because she seems more invested in her children, honestly, like I don't feel like like he um, the the dad definitely loved his kids, but I didn't feel his panic as much as I felt the mother's, and I feel like also um, mirroring what you were saying about her susceptibility to belief in the afterlife, she would have been more so adjusted to believe what Judd had said and like be at grips with, okay, yeah, people can come back from the dead. Whereas the doctor straight laced dad guy would have been the one to be very standoffish. Cause if you watch as much dumb, uh, uh, ghost haunting, like real, real reality TV bullshit as I do, it's always the husband who's like, Whoa, 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 we're not moving out of this house. Ghosts don't exist. And it's always the wife who is like attuned and can like know that there's ghosts in the house. So, that would have been, made more sense for me, and that would have been a more successful as a remake for me. 
even to even going off of that point, just another tidbit, right? They even mentioned to the fact that Rachel's a stay-at-home mother, so she's always mm. with the kids. Yeah. Always. And Lewis is not. And the reason why they moved to this place is so he can have more time. So already we know that Rachel has a closer relationship with both of the children. Yeah. And so she's gonna she's probably gonna be a bit more yeah. um I, I think her her that would make more sense why she should be the one that's doing all that stuff that you were talking about, Abbott. I, I agree with you. To, to be fair, what? I think the, the way that I took it from that one scene where she's like, oh, I'm a stay-at-home mom, was that she didn't have a job. Was that Did they she have mo- a scene where she specifically says, oh, I'm a stay-at-home mom? Yeah, when, they're in, the, yeah, when they're in the bed together. It was, oh, it was maybe not like that exact thing, but like she was like, oh, I'm, I'm going to stay home. And the way I interpreted that scene was that she had something in Boston. They moved out. You know, one person got a job. The other one was just like, all right, I'm going to stay at home. She's still looking. Right. Yeah. Take care of the kids. And then when I find a job, I'll, I'll find a job. The other <laughs> thing is Or it's her that- version of sexy pillow talk. So. Right. Yeah. I mean, it definitely turned him on. So, you know, Ooh, I'm so unemployed. <laughs> <laughs> I don't have health benefits. Do me like I have a job. Oh, what's a 401k? <laughs> um, but the other thing is that the um, I think that they wrote themselves. They had like a, you know, they had a kind of like a pie chart. And once they filled everyone's pie chart with creepy things that they decided to go to the next person with the creepy things. So I think that they couldn't have given her both the sister dying storyline and the I see ghosts all the time storyline. Because you're right. I think the characterization and this drives with what I saw earlier, uh, what I said earlier with like that sister storyline should have been its own story, you know, its own movie. Um, But I think that because they wrote so much interesting weird stuff for the wife if they also made her attuned to ghosts and like having the whole supernatural debate about ghosts in the afterlife it would have been too much for one character who's not truthfully your main character and that wouldn't have worked but if if she was the main character and they just made the dad like a side like the side piece who was just there to be a foil saying like i don't believe in god or the afterlife i think it could have worked actually really well and would have been a nice way to turn things on, on its head well, yeah, because you could have, I mean, at that point, it would have made more sense when the whole thing about, like, the sister suffering in hell because of, you know, some disease and, like, the way she was treated, that would have hit way harder if, you know, the wife was like, oh, my God, like, I believed in this. So you're definitely right there. But I think that was the reason that they didn't do it was just to break up who got what supernatural. You know who should have played the creepy neighbor? Stephen Wilson? King. Oh, damn it. <laughs> I thought you were going to say Wilson. <laughs> Next door. Blew it. What you got? Yeah, I guess the only thing uh, I want to reiterate, because uh, I think most of the things on characters, this has already been said, but Ellie playing two separate characters. Um, her as the freaky child was at the end there was phenomenal. Uh, usually I feel like the down and from podcast really shits on kids. Uh, kids actors like Thank all you. the time. Isolate that audio. Isolate <laughs> yeah, that audio. Yeah. <laughs> what, I've never what? seen Dreamcatchers. <laughs> I know no, for we... a fact Jesse Rand does. <laughs> <laughs> Shut up. You're taking away my so if you want to check us out for more details, Jesse Rand shits on kids. <laughs> <laughs> at ymail.com. 
Um, no, but uh, but I think that we do uh, we do a healthy amount of critiquing on child acting, let's say, and child directing. Um, but Ellie was good from a literally no one. I've never heard of her before. Um, yeah. And she really killed it, especially that transition to the evil demon child. <laughs> I like to say it. Ah. So we, we've already started talking about the comparisons to the, um, the original movie. Um, so we're going to go uh, continue to kind of talk about this. The one thing I do want to kind of mention uh, up front, uh, especially if people don't necessarily know, especially everybody listening, was a couple of the biggest changes in the movie. Um, from the original movie, they actually kills uh, Gage. And so Gage right. actually gets hit by the actual truck when he's trying to fly a kite. Uh, he just runs off, gets hit by the truck. Uh, there's also only a little bit of blood in the sne- sneaker there, so I guess that's some continuity. Whatever. Uh, they wanted to make sure only a little bit of blood is You can't shown. show kids being split in half by tanker <laughs> trucks. He yeah. just turns well, into ketchup. Yeah. <laughs> well, because I'm like, hold up. If that is going... I think it was 65 miles per hour. We actually saw the speedometer in the old movie. Uh, if a truck going it, east at yeah, 65 miles happen. an hour hits a little girl <laughs> standing still at zero miles an hour. That that little girl's turning to dust. So I, I can care less what's happening. But at least that cat will be in multiple pieces. There's no way that cat will be in one kind of cohesive yeah. unit. So no way. But the biggest change was... From the original movie and the story, Gage was killed, and, uh, and Gage comes back into Rex Havoc and everybody else. In this movie, it was a huge change because they killed Ellie, and they made it seem like it was, uh, oh, gotcha, like, psych, because we thought Gage was going to die, and Gage was saved, but Ellie ended up being killed by the uh, tanker truck, like, detaching and hitting her in the head and, I guess, killing her on her birthday so i thought that was also really impactful so i did a little bit of digging and saw that the director changed the story because he had three daughters and he felt as though he had more of a connection with his daughters than because he doesn't have a son so he really wanted to change and this is this is true and i'm like that's a weird reason to change it but whatever so he changed it because he had daughters and he had a closer connection with his daughters because he didn't have a son so that was literally one of the reasons why they ended up killing off Ellie instead of Gage. I'm really glad they made that change because I felt <laughs> watching the original movie now, A, is super comical because so good, you be, have like a five-year-old that's like yeah, trying this to kid, kill people. This I'm like, didn't even know how to talk yet. So, Well, that's the same. And that, that was the thing weird. that I'm really glad. Yeah. So it was almost very similar to the original right the gauge knew how to talk in the original movie but it still comes off as being weird i'm like that's not creepy that's just weird for me at all michael and myers and jason never say a goddamn thing yeah but he's also a grown-ass man he's not like a five-year-old yeah i do know that he's a grown-ass <laughs> man so I, I that was the biggest thing i did want to kind of mention there's a lot of other changes that they have from the move um, from the original movie to the new movie so i definitely want to kind of get into that uh, i'll toss it a little bit more over to uh brylin here uh yeah so as i mentioned earlier like i haven't read the book or um seen the original movie in quite a long time and like pet cemetery for me is it, it comes over as one of those like more solid like heart stephen king horror uh stories that is like the standards 
So like other movies you could think of are like Firestarter or Christine or Cujo. They all follow this like pattern of horror that Stephen King defined for himself and Pet Cemetery just follows that as well. So are we going to get like some, I mean, there's a moment in this movie where like you can see, okay, if Rachel was a more concerned parent, she would just call the city hall and had stop signs put in the road, um, but, or speed limits. Um, but um, no, that doesn't happen. So they, because those char- these characters won't go to that logical conclusion, you got to have that mystery and you got to create this horror suspense. Um but I think there's a lot of things that actually work really well for the horror. Like probably the best thing I like about this movie is how they did the sound work. So every time that truck sped by the house and everything, I did jump a little bit. They were changing it up just a little bit where it still catches you off guard every time. Um, I also liked uh, just the sound work they did with like Rachel's sister, where she is dragging herself along the floor and it's just this very creepy sound and everything. And that scene where she gets into the, uh, the dumbwaiter, it, why would she crawl inside the dumbwaiter? I don't know. But when she gets in the dumbwaiter and it falls and crashes, that sound is so disturbing and just opening yeah. up and seeing her crumpled body. in there is horrific. Um, I really like that. They treat, her sister's condition as kind of like a scary monster. Like when we see her uh, in her bed, that it's not just like, Oh, a twisted spine or anything. There's like this wetness to it. It's actually super gnarled and everything. The way they actually film it, it makes it look very grotesque and something to be afraid of. Uh, And so I did really appreciate that they made it where it's not like we're trying to, actually take it as the rationale of having to deal with a horrific medical condition with a loved one that it's more of like, this is how I remember it because it scared the shit out of me. Um, and I did also like, I mean, Victor's accident, even though it's, I mean, this must be the most horrific car accident of all time, but there's some subtle nuances they do with that makeup and everything like his his head doesn't automatically start squirting blood but when it's turned the right way it's just shoots out this huge ass stream of blood and you're just like thrown off by like oh shit this guy is dying in about five seconds how are you gonna save him um but i thought that it actually executed on like those classic horror movie tropes very well and i was actually entertained and captivated and also it, it did cap it did grab me a couple times and actually make me uh jump a little bit out of my seat especially with like the sound and just the visuals they did for the horror as well one one more thing on the sound there um did anyone catch the first drive through in the truck what the leading sound was no no, no. so i mean on its yeah that was a good guess though was on it its basis, there was there's a couple parts of sound, right? There's the attack phase, and then there's the release phase. Uh, what is it? ADSR, attack, decay, sustain, release is like the big one. Um, but like to me, Who's there's reading a- his like plans to invade Poland. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, alpha, Delta. Um, but like, so for me, there's only two sections, right? There's the attack phase, which is the first, you know. 10 to 20 milliseconds of what the sound you're hearing is and there's the release phase which is everything after that the truck had a bear 
at least some some bigger animal. So the first time that you see the truck, that is a uh, that is a very large carnivore. That is the leading sound, and then has a truck as the tail. Um, mm. And they do this several times. Uh, I'm trying to think of it because, like, I I, I should have wrote them down because I can't remember now. But um, specifically, I think one time when they're in the the cemetery. There's a filtered, delayed version of, I think, like a cat, you know, meowing, just like or like screeching. You know, it's not like a normal meow, but where they pan it from side to side. So so to Brown's uh, point, they the composer took a conscious effort to take animal sounds, warp them into unlistenable aspects and then reinterpret them back into the film score and to the sound effects of this. And it's it's all throughout the movie. There was there's plenty of times where it's like, well, this is not a violin, this is a whatever animal yelling for whatever reason. Um that is now playing the melody of your music, that is now taking the lead on the sound effect that's going on in that. Uh, it, it was freaking brilliant. Like, it, you know, I mean, it's not that hard of a thing to do. It's like, you know, the film's called Pet Cemetery, and you have a bunch of animal noises in it. But to intelligently interpret those sounds and put them into the score and the film, uh, the sound effects was pretty uh, commendable. Yeah. Also, like, uh, oh, Mocha, did you want to mention something? I was just gonna say that I love having Blue It on this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, some of the other visuals I liked were um, I like the whole thing with the kids uh, with the drum beats and the creepy mask and like the homemade mask they have for their pets and everything. And even though it looks like, oh, this is just like the perfect beginning of a scary movie, having these creepy kids and creepy masks just march into the forest. Um, I mean, if I was, like, a rational parent, I would probably see these kids. Like, first off, I was like, what are you doing on my property? Uh, (laughs) Secondly, um, I would go to their parents and say things like, you know, your kids are pretty disturbed. They're wearing these crazy-ass masks. (laughs) (laughs) But I think uh, the visual worked really well just to kind of set a sense of tone and everything. They do a really good job of, like, slowly building tension up to the point where all hell breaks loose, which I thought was really done well. Um, I would say like the weakest part of this is the ending. I think it's the weakest of the three endings uh, that are in the book and the other movies. I went on the uh, ye old cliff notes and freshened up on, (laughs) on what uh, the book ending and the um, original movie ending was. And I think I appreciate the book ending more just kind of leaves it open. And Rachel just comes back and puts her hand on uh, Lewis's shoulder. And that's the end of it. I didn't like this one where it's kind of like, Oh, family zombie apocalypse time, time to rock and roll and kill the whole town. And (laughs) the way they're just like creeping on a gauge and his dad is creeping through the window. Rachel's creeping on him is, Sisters creeping on them, church is creeping up. on them. <laughs> um, with the I, sound of like the car unlocking, it's like ah. Yeah, okay. I was just waiting for uh, Gage to like just, even though he's been the mute four year old through the whole whole movie, he actually turns the car keys and floors it. Hilarious. One thing about the one thing about the the car unlock sound, uh, it was initially uh, the, a screech of a pterodactyl that then. Transforms into the car beep. Uh, little known fact there. <laughs> it's true. What? They did record the pterodactyl only uh, in the prehistoric times. 
Yeah, but I thought it was the buried zombie... in the cemetery. <laughs> I thought the zombie family um, conclusion was a little too cartoony for what the movie was. Yeah, I, I mean, I kind of I agree with you. I I just have to switch it up. I didn't mind the uh, zombie family more so than I mind the ending of the original movie. I think the book ending was by far the best because it ends off on a, a official cliffhanger. Touches his shoulder, says, "Darling, we have no idea what's going to happen at that point." And the movie, kind of, kind of similar. Uh, this was shortly after, on the heels of Lewis sticking a lethal injection in his son's neck, and says, "And the gauge walks away and says, not fair.'" Crashes into a wall and then like falls down and then gets burned alive. I'm like, what kind <laughs> of ending? The only Are way you... to get rid of babies. <laughs> What? Yeah, so the original movie ending, I was like, I'm Wow, so that just gave me flashbacks. I remember that. Not fair. Yeah, wow. yeah. It's so yeah. good. It's so it's, good. It's a, it's a crazy ending, uh, but the fact that it doesn't really explain how Gage was able to lynch um, Rachel from a random ceiling in Judd's house... The, the ending of the original movie is a fucking mess. So I'm like, yeah. no way. I, I didn't like anything about that at all. So I at least uh, I appreciate that they've done something that made a little bit more sense realistically um, in this mo- new movie. And they kind of also made it like twisted on his head to actually kill um, Lewis. Because I felt like Lewis needs to die from all the dumb shit that he'd done in this movie. So I'm like, you 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 kind of need to die. And this was the only movie, at least, that they actually kill him, right? This is the only work that he dies. We don't quite know. I mean, I guess we kind of know that he dies when um, Rachel picks up the knife and we actually just hear sounds in the original movie, but the book, we don't know that he dies or not. So no. I kind of I, I agree with you there. I, I just I, have to say, like, when uh, Rachel spears Lewis in the back all of a sudden, I'm like... They do that so well of how abrupt it is. Oh, it yeah. It just, like, oh, yeah. shoots out of his chest. It's so it's done so you, well. You almost and, didn't yeah. know who you were rooting for in that scene, too. You're like, oh, am I rooting for, like, the seven-year-old kid who... No. Nope. No, no you're rooting yeah. for Lewis. What do you mean <laughs> you have no idea? What you, what <laughs> what's wrong with you? for the dead people? Never rooting for, for, rooting for no, the I'm, demon I'm, who just I'm, killed, like, three I'm, people? You know, I'm, I'm, like, slightly rooting for, like, the kid. Like, that's kind of messed up. Like, some adult just beating the hell out of his daughter. Um, I'll say this but, uh, about the ending of the movie. It like I didn't understand what they were trying to do with it. Like when the movie ended, and I realized the end, I was like, "What? Like what story were you trying to tell here?" And I'm a big fan, mind you, of unhappy endings in movies. I love it when like the main character actually loses, or you're left off thinking, realizing that it's not completely over yet. Whatever. But I just don't know. I just don't get what they were trying to do. What story they were trying to tell with that ending. They were trying know. to pull like an ending like Darabont's Mist. They were trying to give you that like, oh well, like now they're just gonna kill ending. the baby. Yeah. 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 Well, I mean, one other thing about the visuals I thought was actually stunning was um, it also is like one of the moments I remember most in the original movie was when uh, Judd's Achilles gets stabbed on the mm-hmm. stairwell. And yeah. I think it's just as visceral in this one, if not more. And sure. I don't know, maybe I have some type of. Uh, inherent fear of sports injuries, but just anything like has to, having to deal with Achilles tendon just like bothers me for some reason. Yeah, no, it's okay. too much. 
This okay, that was by far one of the grossest things I've seen in a long time. I was like, oh Jesus! Oh, because you see it separate too. Yeah, it's actually really well done. Yeah, because <laughs> in, in, in the in the old film, it was just like okay, you just easily cut through. You can clearly see that that was a prosthetic or that was clearly some some sort of paper mache. Yeah, it's like oh, that's really easy. And this one, I felt like it was kind of a stab and then, like, literally kind of slicing it open. I was like, oh, my God. And then we actually see um, Ellie, like, going and continually stab Judd to even make it even more impactful. And the fucking creepy-ass Winston just overlooking. Um, Maybe we should do a last call about our top, like, five movies where somebody gets their Achilles tendon cut. Because it happens. <laughs> there's like, there's a lot. Frequently, yeah. And I, yeah. it's always horrible. It's always yeah. horrible to watch. We should. Yeah. We, I'll be down. <laughs> Jeez, that was a terrible Google search right there. <laughs> uh, Abbott, what you, what you got for the uh, comparison to the original? Anything yeah, else? I think um, I wanted to to basically compare it to being like the Zack Snyder cut of the original because it's just <laughs> it's this grim, dark, like modernized version of the movie. But then I think about how Zack Snyder's one and only good movie is his remake of Dawn of the Dead. So then I'm like. He can make good horror movies, and this wasn't a bad movie. I just think that they took like a movie that I enjoy from the '80s and modernized it for the aughts or whatever whatever decade we're in right now. Um, and I think that it does fall in line with a lot of like the standard movies that we have nowadays, like The Conjuring and the ongoing, like the Saw series, like all these ongoing, like regurgitated horror films. I think I'm seeing a lot of parallels between this and that, and they updated it. That's fair. It wasn't, in my opinion, the best Stephen King adaptation, but um, I think that one thing I did really enjoy about this movie is that they did sort of solidify that they are kind of, just like the MCU and the DCU has their own thing, they are kind of leaning into a Stephen King universe because um, if you paid close attention, there were things like um, they see Derry when they're rushing home, which is where it takes place. Uh, if you listen um, during Ellie's birthday, there's a woman who's talking about a rabid dog that was that killed a bunch of people in a town or two over, which is Cujo, which I think is rumored to be the next adaptation they're going to be remaking. Um, and then one thing I caught that I'd, I want to research is that when Judd tells the dad about the trucks, he's like, oh, yeah, it's those darn trucks from the something something company. I was like, oh, it's weird. yeah. Yeah, I, I remember that line. I I. I didn't look it up, but I did at least look up and Google the name of the truck company. I couldn't find anything, though. It stood out to me. It it, it sounded familiar, and I can't find anything about it, but I wouldn't be surprised if it's some other reference um, to a Stephen King novel or another movie, for example. Because uh, another thing, I was reading some of the trivia on IMDb is that, like, um, there's some... Uh, <laughs> There's some signs in the film, um, some realty signs that are for D. Torrance. So like Danny Torrance realty oh, and things cool. like that, like little tiny things like that peppered throughout the film. Cause it's like mm. that, uh, Castle Rock did the same yeah. sort of stuff. And I really appreciate that. So I think that's kind of neat if they're, if they are going to continue to either remake these adaptations or make new adaptations, I hope they all do tie in together, except for the dark tower that that can go. Oh no! Yeah. yeah, don't remake, don't remake Dreamcatchers because that was like just the the worst film ever. Yeah, remake the Langoliers. This is the only <laughs> thing I want to happen before I die. They have to do the stand. Played eating monsters. Because if, the, if they can, the Langoliers they can gave me my first existential break as a child. I remember this so clearly. <laughs> uh, I thought you were going to say the Langoliers gave you your first boner. 
<laughs> no, yeah. The watching a show about time being eaten fucked me up, and <laughs> like it really messed with my head. It's probably why I'm so weird today. Yeah. But um, yeah. Another thing that sort of took me out of it is whether or not you've seen the original, or if this is your first um foray into Pet Cemetery. Some of the things that they included, like for example, the, I mentioned it before, the scene where he's actually searching the internet for for things, which wouldn't have been available in 1989. So that's why this wasn't a direct scene from the the original but in there he glazes over like the bull the bull story where a bull comes back to life and wanders through town but then they mention the vietnam vet which up until that point there hasn't been anything mentioned of the resurrection of people which sort of ruins the surprise at the end when then like you you get that idea once the kid dies like it doesn't occur to you like oh they're bringing back animals but what if they try to bring back a person? I feel like including that article about the Vietnam vet, like the rumors of the Vietnam vet disappearing and insinuating that there was a person brought back, that kind of ruins it for this one. Um, but yeah, I think uh, I think it's a good movie. Um, I don't think it's as good as the original. I still like the original a whole hell of a lot better because the concept is just so goofy. It just begs to be an 80s schlock movie. I don't sure. think it really works as like a modern, creepy, dark horror movie. I mean, the only thing I, I wanted to kind of add on to this is I just was confused why the original was so misogynistic <laughs> and why there were so many lines in the original about men have, like, there was a little line. This is from Judge, was a problematic character all the, all, <laughs> all the way through, through and through. This dude is a terrible character, like, at least what he believed in. But in the original movie, they kind of gave the women. It, yeah, or you know the woman, which is Rachel, nothing to do. They kind of give her the the supernatural, this this thing that's haunting her. But other than that, she shows up at the exact moment, literally just to die, uh, in the in the new in the original film. And so I'm glad they kind of changed it up to have Ellie do something. I'm glad they kind of gave a bit more time with Rachel um, in this new film. Uh, I'm glad that they didn't necessarily talk about, well, the woman got scared while this Vietnam vet came back. So they had to they had to call the men. And so the men had to come in. The men had to handle it. I'm like, what is this writing? This is the 1980s. That's, just, that's like, how it's called the 80s. Come on. Right. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, come on. Stephen, Stephen King hoovers yeah. a bunch <laughs> of nose, Schneef, and then just writes about what his dick is feeling. Yeah. I that mean, movie so bothers you. I got a movie called Zardoz you should watch. Uh, <laughs> I'm pretty sure those are hard R's all over the place. Oh, uh, let's review it. Let's review Zardoz. That's the only thing that's like right now. Like, there's no way you can sit and watch. Like, I guess here's my thing. Like, if I go back and rewatch, um, I guess this is from the 90s, but if I go back and rewatch it, or if I go back and rewatch a movie from like the 80s, it's still, I understand a lot of stuff is going to be campy and it's bad, but a lot of the dialogue isn't as glaring or um, uh, offensive as this, the original uh, Pet Cemetery. And so that's like my issue of like, man, not only am I going to think a lot of this stuff is a joke, but who thought this was a good idea to put that in the movie or a book? Come on. So that, that's my People only People weren't as sensitive back then as they are now. Well, it's not about even if it's not about kind of being sensitive. It's just about the fact that there's there's women that you know. Wh when did um, Alien come out? Nineteen eighty four, eighty one, eighty two, early eighties, right? or okay. seventy nine, maybe. Okay, so seventy nine. Yeah, you know, you're right. Seventy nine. Okay, so my A my dollar. thing is is that there are times in which women 
can be badass. It's not all about men. And yeah. there are a bunch of movies that have already come out around that time. But then you still get movies like this, like, okay, what the fuck? Like, you have a movie about a family, yet you literally are putting the wife just on the shelf the entire time. So that's the only reason why I, I just didn't like the original as much. It's just definitely not going to hold up. But I at least think, though, unfortunately, you kind of have to watch that Cliff Notes, Yo Cliff Notes. I've, I've never heard of that website before. Uh, Yo Cliff Notes, the actual... Um, book because nobody has time Did to you read. go to high school and, in the late 2000s how have you never heard of cliff notes sorry cliff's notes you mean it's i cliff's mean internet notes cliff notes because it's a guy is, named cliff taking notes yeah it's his notes yeah <laughs> i thought the that guy got me through high school english class is that I'm just spark kidding. notes spark I'm, notes i know i'm just spark kidding notes. Oh. well yeah, i feel so, okay wikipedia i feel the same about this adaptation as i did about the the carry re-remake Oh, Carrie okay. remake. So I enjoy I enjoy Rihanna the Carrie remake, but the original is still better. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, They're I feel the same way about you. these ones. They're all gonna laugh at you. <laughs> that was a great line. <laughs> so we are gonna move into our conclusions, our final thoughts. Uh, we'll talk about you know should we recommend this movie, and if we do recommend this movie, what other movies should you may see in order to get ready to watch Pet Cemetery? Uh, I'll toss it over to Brylin. Yeah, so uh, was this remake necessary? No. Um, does it suck? No. I think it's actually an enjoyable horror film that kind of like hits all those notes. If you had like check boxes of what makes a horror film, it hits about 80% of those. And I think that it is going not to, it's not going to like reinvigorate or innovate horror in any way. It's going to be what you expect a horror movie to be um so it's not going to be us it's not going to be it um but it, it is as the kids say basic but in a good way <laughs> it's like if uh not only it's not that every pumpkin spice latte sucks it's just like when someone makes a pumpkin spice latte really good this is what it's like no um, every pumpkin spice latte sucks you are correct i mean they do but what if someone made one that you actually enjoyed I wouldn't know because I wouldn't drink it. <laughs> we'll need to force feed you a pumpkin well, spice latte. I mean, this is how this movie is. It's that thing that you don't really like, but they actually made it really well. So, force um, pumps, pumpkin spice latte. Is that, is that what you're saying? <laughs> PSL is the name of my next horror film. <laughs> but, um, but I would say, like, if if there's like a Stephen King movie you should watch, I'm just always going to recommend my personal favorite deadly friend which is based on one of his short <laughs> stories it's got one of the best death scenes of all movie history in it does it have to, anything to do with like an achilles no it has to deal with a basketball <laughs> oh now i'm intrigued i'm about to go to the youtubes <laughs> uh mocha what you got yeah this movie this remake was it had a lot of potential but it just fell short overall i think um some like there was this really cool wave of momentum we had going from the last couple of recent Stephen King remakes and somehow this movie just did not help push that way forward in any sort of way was you're making faces but was it not a great movie was yeah. um I'm thinking about the one before like, it, yeah <laughs> like two no, months but before about Netflix too like was it Marie's game or something's game on Gerald's Netflix game. that was 
Gerald's Game. Yeah, that was that was a solid. That was a solid remake too. So yeah, there have been dude. some good ones. We not even all that. Been Dark Tower. I, I don't get, care, get. Warren. <laughs> I watch things. I watch other things than what we review here. <gasps> what? That being said, that being said, you know, I felt like we had some good momentum going, and this movie missed missed out on it. Um, like Brian said, I don't think it's necessarily bad. I just don't think that it was. It's worth anyone's time. Um, don't bother this with this movie, whether it's in theaters or at home streaming. Did we review the Green Mile? Because that was a good one. Yeah, but that's not Stephen King horror. That's more of his fantasy. Is it? Is it not? That's no. horror to me. I want to get it's locked Tom up. Tom Hanks jail. having a nobody wants to get locked up in jail. urinary tract infection. <laughs> That, that's the only thing you get from that movie. Abbott, <laughs> Abbott, please get me hard. Um, I, I, I enjoyed it. I'm not saying it's bad by any means, but ultimately, I do feel uh, as a remake, it's unnecessary. Um, it doesn't stack up the way that like it was such a remarkable remake. Um, but uh, you should go check it out. Um. It does tend to, like, if you're not a jump scare person, I do feel like this movie does rely way too heavily on jump scares, as a lot of modern horror does, so beware of that. Um, but also, if you're getting ready for this, check out the original, because, like I said, I think the original is better. Um, but also, if you're going to gear up for this movie, I think you should also watch uh, Secret Life of Pets, um, Milo and Otis, Homeward Bound, the Aristocrats. No, the Aristocats. Very different movies. Yes. Um, and then maybe All Dogs Go to Heaven. <laughs> one, oh. and two, one and two or just one? Just the first one. There's okay. no dogs in this movie. Yeah, I know, but it'll still get you like in the in the mood for dead animals. True. No, the first dead animal was was a dog. The one in the, in the procession. Oh, actually, maybe oh, Frankenweenie. Yeah. Frankenweenie would be a good one to watch. That's a, that's also, a great Gage movie. Gage is my dog, so I think that counts. Oh, Gage is terrible in this movie. Turner and Hooch. <laughs> I, the actor didn't know how to speak English, so... Did you did you say Marley and Me in that? No. Yes, Marley and Me can be in there, yeah. I said Mac and Me. <laughs> yeah, Mac and Me. Don't bury Mac in the Pet Cemetery. <laughs> uh, did, did you also put... Uh, uh, what's that movie I hate with uh, Keanu Reeves Classy. and his dog the Matrix. Old Yeller. Bill and Ted. John Wick. John, John Wick, thank you. <laughs> He's going to have a horse in the new one. Oh, fucking right. Heard that horse. He's going to ride his horse. To <laughs> that horse better get hit by a semi truck. A horse yes. is just kind of like a horse is just kind of like a really big weird dog. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. That song is uh, fire. Blew it. What do you got? <laughs> uh, besides Old Country Road being the greatest song I've ever heard in my entire life. Like Old Town here. Road. Got yeah, I don't horses even know. in the back. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this movie, uh, I think that it suffered from two things. <laughs> First of all, it wasn't released in October or September. The second thing, it had Stephen King's name in the front of it. If this movie was completely absent from both of those things, uh, not absent, I mean, it was released in October and didn't have Stephen King's name, it'd be the best horror film that you saw of that season. Um, this movie had a lot going for it, but I can't stop speaking with a southern accent because of that old country road reference we just made. I, that, that weirdly just I don't even know the name of the I know, road I know. It's so fucked up. Like I'm just, like I started talking like it's that. that old like, oh Jesus. I don't know what's going on there. Um But I think it's one of those things that like this movie was a very good horror film, 
that should have been released in October and should not have been associated with Stephen King. Because I think we're, we're viewing it through those lenses, right? We're viewing it through these like super inter interconnected, like Stephen King universe, super creepy Stephen King universe. And also it's spring. So that means, you know, Jordan Peele's time to shine. Um, so like it's, if you compared it to the regular slog that comes out when Andrew Abbott's fear boners is normally in full production, this movie is incredible. Now, not so much. Also, I think they need to start implementing more Stanley-like cameos for Stephen King in his movies. He used to do it all the time, but he hasn't done it in the last few. He needs I'm to do of, it again. Yeah, he should I, have played the cat. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I don't trust Stephen King near roads, though. <laughs> <laughs> Good call. <laughs> it would have been great if Stephen King would have been Judd in this movie. I, yeah, I, 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 cool. I, I fully back that, or at least the truck driver. Some, some. Oh, there you go. Like that, something that's weird that that would have worked. That would have worked well. Rachel, <laughs> yeah. no, why stop there? Gage. Gage. <laughs> Every character, he just pull an Eddie Murphy with Stephen. Uh, this is a second Not, podcast, yeah, second in, podcast in, a row. in a row. That's that dope. <laughs> that's so dope. I don't know how that happens. All right. Uh, yeah, I like this movie. Um, I think we talked a bit about it in. You know, looking at movies like Ready Player One and Dumbo doesn't do an adaptation well at all. It just kind of shits on the original story. Where I think that this doesn't quite shit on the original story, but probably farts and some stuff comes out, you know? Uh, but it's still at least entertaining. Uh, I, I liked it at least. I like the changes that they actually made. I think a lot of people are going to probably like the 2019 version much more than the 1989 version a lot. Besides, like, the modernization that they've done, besides the jump scares, I just felt like there were some scenes and some moments in the imagery and the sound and all these things that we talked about that, sure enough, made it a fairly enjoyable movie. Um, I think it came out also at a, a correct time. kind of agree with you, but kind of disagree with you, Blewett, because if this movie comes out in January, it's trash. If a movie comes out in February, March, in, like, April before the summer, that's probably the best time that a lot of other movies kind of get some traction and says okay cool like this kind of comes out maybe later on we can come out in october or september yeah. and then we can get even more popularity so i think it came out in a good time as that it's probably going to spend like maybe a couple weeks uh maybe in theaters and then probably fall off as it should because uh summer blockbusters are all going to come yeah. so I, starts I like on april 26 now yeah right yeah right uh, so I, I i like the time well uh, no i mean Shazam. I no. no. That's that's a teaser for no. next week. <laughs> that's no the week after actually. Oh um, my bad. So uh yeah, so I, I think it came out at a good time. I think a lot of people are gonna like it. A lot of younger generation, a lot of young younger people may also like it a bit more. Um, but I enjoyed it. I I would definitely go in and say don't read the books, don't go to Spark Notes or said craig notes right don't go to uh craig notes <laughs> uh don't go to cliff notes at all to kind of read the original story go in to watch this movie kind of blind not because that's what i do but i think you're going to enjoy this story much like blue it was talking about looking at it separately outside of the scope of everything else that's happening after you watch this movie then go back and look at that stuff and then you can at least kind of have different buckets for it and have appreciation for each one of the mediums that it comes from so definitely uh check 
check that out. I think you'll enjoy it. Um, I would also tell everybody, don't watch the original movie at all, because I hated that one, but that's just me. I also hate old people, so there you go. And with that, we are the Down in Front Podcast. Thanks so much for tuning in. Uh, thanks so much for joining. Uh, Senior Abbott, as our very special guest, where can people find more of your work on the interwebs? Uh, they can definitely find more of me uh, popping some fear boners on the Down in Front Podcast from time to time. Our most recent episode, I believe, was the Leprechaun Returns episode for St. Patrick's Day, which was a fun, <laughs> fun one. That was uh, the, great. the new movie was actually really good. Um, yeah, so if you haven't seen it, check that one out. Um, and you can also uh, find we just uh, vaginally rejuvenated the Kowalski Couch Collection. So if you search that hashtag on Instagram, you can see a bunch of our BFF Kyle Kowalski sleeping in weird locations. Did you say va- valiantly? Vaginally. Oh, that's, that's what I thought you said. I was like, okay. Uh, Bradley, where can people find more of your work on the interweb? Uh, you can find me looking both ways before I cross the information superhighway on Twitter nice. at Bryland, B-R-I-L-U-N-D. Uh, you can also find me posting many movie and TV reviews on Instagram at I am Bryland. There will be some coming up very soon. And I'm also looking forward to my Onusa's cover of Pet Cemetery. You know, now that it has to happen. Yeah, that will come out in 2021. When we finally get around to it. Awesome. Well, I'm sure we'll all be alive then. So there you go. <laughs> uh, I probably won't. Have you seen Sarah. my eating habits? Not great. I mean, I, I know a place where we can bury you. It's cool. <laughs> <laughs> go a trip to Maine would be good. Mocha, where can uh, people find more of your work on the interwebs? You can find me posting videos of myself brushing sticky cats on Twitter at MochaMikeLI, as the Lord intended. Unfortunately, you cannot find me at MochaMike. The person who owns that username died recently. I buried him in my local community garden, and I'm just kind of waiting to see if anything pops up so you can give me that password. But in the meantime, at MochaMikeLI, you can also find me on Instagram at MochaMike, where I post some photography work, um, as well as on Medium, where I allegedly post uh, longer form reviews of the things we talk about here. Nice. And Sir Shredder, where can people find more of your work and what shows you got coming up? Uh, we've been super lazy. Yeah, my news is definitely sitting down right now. Um you can definitely find us at jessirandpetsiscat.com. Thank you for uh, changing that. Yeah. It's <laughs> a website where you see good old Jessirand petting a cat. I thought you were going to go with shits on kids, but I'm glad that. <laughs> no, 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 no. Everybody was no. thinking it. He I shits on saying. people of legal age, and that's the end of that. Shits on cats. <laughs> yeah, there you go. <laughs> Just, is that why just, they're all sticky? It's just Jesse oh, running no. around, just dropping it. Like, oh god, just, don't yeah, move! This is modern compromise, gentlemen. Yeah. <laughs> Check out more of our work at downerfrontpodcast.com, where you're going to have our video teasers, our music, our Twitter. We have links to Friends with Blends and Mayim News. We also have our fear bonus information on there, and our last calls are actually being posted on there directly. So that's going to be probably the best area to kind of find all of our information that we're what we currently are doing. We're at Twitter at 
underscore DAFP, where we're, we're also going to be on Instagram. We're going to be on Facebook. Just search for us down to frontpodcast.com. If you like what we do, you want to actually support us, consider becoming a patron, patreon.com slash down in front podcast. Early episodes and kind of bonus content. Um, we're actually going to get ready to release a new sort of expanded conversation that we had from our last uh, review, latest review of us um, on there. So definitely kind of stay tuned for that. I think that's going to be actually really funny uh, because that was a hilarious conversation, I think. Um, and yeah, thanks so much, everybody, for tuning in. And we appreciate it. Uh, Brylin, what is our next review? Uh, we are going to be reviewing Heck Boy, starring Ron Perlman and Doug Jones. Or actually, <laughs> wait, no, this is Hellboy, starring that dude from Stranger Things. David, we'll see if he does a good a, as Harbor? good a job as Ron Perlman. Pearl Harbor is his name. Pearl no. Harbor. There you go. <laughs> Let's not get into that. Uh, good night, everybody. <laughs> bye. Bye. Spay and neuter, and also kill your cats. <laughs>